The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. UVA football is the softest... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. Rob, you know it's never soft. What? Guys who use Blue Chew. That's right. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients like Viagra and Cialis so that you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever and wherever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from some extra confidence and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code armchair to try it for free blue chew is the better faster cheaper faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the guys and ties podcast let's get back to that intro uva football is the softest bunch of cream puffs bow tie wearing brie cheese eating nascar wearing wussies i've ever seen in my life i want to punch people from uva right in the neck wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. Uh, Dustin, thank you for that intro, and for the first time since 2003, Virginia is better than Virginia Tech, at least this year. And the Hoos beat Virginia Tech on Friday. Incredible win, incredible win. Dustin and I were both there. I hope everyone else was there too. And oh my God, I still can't believe it. Virginia's Coastal Champions playing Clemson, which I haven't even processed yet. But Dustin, Coastal Champs, like what does this mean to you? Walk me through it because I'm still, I'm still processing this. This is an incredible moment. I think not just for football fans but for all UVA fans too because we've done something that hasn't been done in 15 years and it's I don't know exactly where to start so I think what we're going to do is we're going to start with our emotions and we're just going to kind of see where those take us for a little bit we make it a little loose loosey-goosey <laughs> and then we're going to go ahead and we're going to break down what happens next for our UVA football team uh what, what they do against Clemson and then what might happen after the Clemson game because it's all kind of up in the air right now but we have some theories so we're going to start with that and Rob why don't you start with your emotions you're an emotional guy you're a football guy talk to me about the tech win what does it mean to you well maybe we even just start chronologically so we can you know illustrate this to you are we going back 15 years well no we're going back just three hours before kickoff okay when I'm sitting in the doctor's office and for those of you don't know, I've my knee has been killing me for, you know, months at this point. And I finally said, you know what, Robert, you should get a doctor to look at this. And I was very proud of myself. It was a very mature decision on myself. And the maturity ended at about 9.30 a.m. on Friday morning when the doc was late. The doc was taking his old time. And I said, no, sorry, I'm not going to miss the start of this football game for a knee appointment. So I left. And so my knee's still bugging me. I don't know what's wrong with it, but... We put the who's first, and Dustin so elegantly tweeted that out 
um, minus the profanity. And so we raced up to UVA. We raced up to Charlottesville. And uh, yeah, so health comes second when it comes to rivalries. I hope everyone appreciated that. I think Bronco appreciated that. And a lot of our players did too, because we played awesome, man. We played awesome, you know? And the thing that happened is we continually adjusted throughout the game. And I'll tell you, I was so nervous at the start of the second half. Like, the whole morning was such a rush. You know, it was like, wake up early, go to the doctor. Oh, doctor's not there. Let's race to Charlottesville, two hours. And it was such a rush. I get in the stadium right after Bryce rushes in for the first touchdown. So it's like such a rush. Like, you don't even have time to process anything. And then halftime hit. And at the start of the second half, oh my God, I was so nervous. Like, I couldn't focus because... We know how this rivalry goes. Virginia Tech is going to come back. That's just how it works. Virginia Tech is going to come back. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God, like I can't let this happen again. I'm so nervous. And the second half was, again, just so fast-paced. And the nerves just went away because it was bang, 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 bang. And oh my God, that feeling of victory, incredible. I, I, I found it really interesting, the differences between the two halves. And the first half was, re- like the first quarter was really great. As a UVA fan, we started off with two quick touchdowns, uh, stopped Tech like right on the goal line and forced them to kick a field goal. But, you know, Tech came back as they always do. And it was close going into halftime and it was close right after halftime. And after halftime, both teams made adjustments and our defenses were getting torched. And I think that was something that I was worried. I was definitely worried about that going into the game is how's our offense going to respond to Tech's defense that has shut out two opponents that we struggled to put away. Yeah, they were outscoring their opponents 99-0, not yeah. to cut you off the past two and a half games. No, 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 yeah. And and so it was really, uh, you know, I was wondering, how are we going to respond to a defense like that? You know, Bud Foster's last game as a, well, last regular season game as a assistant coach. And they shut out Georgia Tech. They shut out Pitt. And we had struggled to close out on Pitt and Georgia Tech, especially Georgia Tech uh, recently in November. And so being seeing the team able to not only overcome the mental part of beating tech but also the physical part of being beating tech and then getting over that hump finally and finishing a game not letting the the size of the situation get to them and i was really really proud to be a uva fan for oh, once yeah yeah on black friday <laughs> <laughs> well it, it's like it means so much and that's what people don't realize it's like well lots of people realize this but mm-hmm. it means so much like football is the primary sport it's great we're good at basketball i love being good at basketball mm-hmm. but football matters more there's more people that go to games it brings in more money it's more visible you can't hide from football that's why those two and ten years were so hard mm-hmm. is because it was right there out in the open when virginia tech was doing great at times you can't hide from football and that's like the incredible part about it is like it was visible it was it sucked it was at noon on friday yeah but it was visible everyone in the world saw it and you know that's a you know sometimes it's not great having our rivalry on fridays but if it was on saturday it'd be clouded by michigan ohio state it'd be mm-hmm. clouded by auburn alabama that was a great game yeah um it's on friday everybody saw it football mattered in charlottesville and people realized that uva is taking it seriously you're nine and three for the first time in 07 07 was a fluky year that mm-hmm. team could have been five and seven. Yeah. And this wasn't fluky. It was a struggle at times, but mm-hmm. this wasn't fluky. This was a team that earned every bit of what they got. And none of it was pure luck like a lot of the 2007 season was. And, you know, you're talking about people being able to see us and, you know, see what the program is like. And that was on TV all day. I mean, you could go to ESPN at any time and see highlights of the UVA Tech game because that was really the only good game that was on that day. Yeah, I mean, there was some Thursday, like NFL stuff on Thursday. There was the Egg Bowl on Thursday night, which was wild and crazy at the same time between Mississippi State and uh, Ole Miss. But UVA dominated the TV on Friday, and the UVA Tech game dominated the TV on Friday, and the highlights, and they kept going over it. It was really cool to see people recognize us. It was kind of like, you know, when when we started being good at basketball and we started finally get like ESPN games and we got good announcers coming to our games and we had game day. Like those kind of stuff coming up. That that's kind of what the feeling is right now, you know, beating Tech. And I think it I I think a good comparison would be the Syracuse win in 2013. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, well, that was 2014 at the time. But yeah, but to clinch the regular season. Yeah, to clinch the regular season and get the number one seed in the um, ACC tournament, I think it was really cool to see that, that I was there in person as a student, and it was fascinating. And it it like you could feel it. This was a turning point in the program. This was a huge milestone for the program. And, you know, when Brockman came in, he had a checklist of things he wanted to do. We got two of those things today two of the bigger ones beat tech win the coastal and there's only a few checks left on that checklist yeah of his of course they get incrementally harder they get a lot <laughs> harder now and win win acc championship win a new year six bowl get to the playoffs win a national championship all those are you know in due time maybe but yeah but it's cool to see how far the programs come how far the players have come and the journey that it took to get there and it just feels really good to finally beat Tech and not have let's go hokey chance all day. Yeah. <laughs> and they put their keys away finally, put them in their cars, and they drove away. I will say that all the Tech fans I talked to after the game were really surprisingly calm about it. They've known it's coming for years. Yeah. Uh, they're surprised as much as we are. <laughs> that has lasted 15 years. Yeah. How was it in Rona in the uh, hokey country? Being in Roanoke. Well, it's very quiet, which is how it should be after that game. (laughs) But no, I I think you bring up a good point with just like the atmosphere in the stands and Mm -hmm. even the Syracuse. I hadn't thought about the Syracuse game comparison. I kind of like that for basketball because I wasn't in like the fans cheering. I was covering that game. So I was in the press section that game. And I I still think that's the loudest JPJ has ever gotten. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I saw it a little bit from the outside. And to me, that was the loudest JPJ ever was, was that Syracuse game. Uh, in 2014, and for, with a crowd with only 52,000, although it felt like a big crowd, it felt, it felt like, like a big, like big time crowd. Yeah. People were saying after that last Mandy Alonzo sack, that was the loudest they had heard the crowd. And for me, I was mm-hmm. losing my mind. I was like hugging people, celebrating. Yeah. I didn't even notice the crowd noise. Well, was, but I had so many people tell me that's the loudest they had heard Scott Stadium. We, we, you know, it was. I think it's tough. We were in the student section, so yeah. I think it's hard. You know, the students get the loudest. And there was a good number of students there. I was really proud of the students for showing up. But it's hard to hear what the rest of the stadium sounds like when you're the loudest part. Yeah. And I thought that was, I, I think that it was real loud. But watching the replay back of the Mandy Alonzo sack on ESPN, you can see the camera start to shake because of the noise. And that's yeah, how you know it gets awesome. really loud. Make, it feels really good to see that because usually... That's like a Big 12 or an SEC, Big 10 school kind of thing where the camera shakes. But it was at a UVA game in Scott Stadium. Yeah, certainly not at UVA where the dorms overlook our field. Right. (laughs) You don't only have that. Not even the nice dorms, the old bad dorms, the nasty ones with asbestos. Jeez. Yeah. But, you know, and it just, it feels really good. And it was a, made the weekend even better. Like (laughs) I was joking with my fiance that she was going to have to, take care of me the rest of the day if i if we lost because you know it kind of it's weird how we allow sports like this to kind of dominate our lives and control our emotions and stuff but she didn't have to take care of me and (laughs) it felt really good to just kind of relax and huge monkey off the shoulders it just feels good to to finally make it even though like the game itself doesn't mean a lot but the moment I think oh, the moment's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and I were so young. I mean, I remember that I watched the 03 game, but mm-hmm. I don't remember anything from it. The first game that I actually like remember things from was probably like 04, yeah. 05. Yeah, we were, we were talking after the game how old we were when when we last beat Tech. And I was eight, I think, or nine. Yeah, I think and I was nine. Not a lot of memories from that time. Yeah. You know? and <laughs> Certainly not football games. No, 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 definitely not. I, I think that... It just goes to show that this means a lot to a lot of people, especially younger people who have never known beating tech. Mm-hmm. I think with the old people, older, excuse me, <laughs> older people, <laughs> it means a lot too because it's been so long for them to, oh, yeah. to, to see it. But I think it means a lot to the young people, especially students, especially the players and the people who have recently become UVA fans. And that's part of the reason I love like what's going on with this athletic department because football, what they realize, and Carla Williams was very upfront about, and Bronco's been saying the same thing, is football is the tie that raises all boats. Mm-hmm. You know, football matters, and football has to matter for the overall health of the athletic department. And I'm not saying 
basketball or lacrosse or any of those schools wouldn't have won their championships without football. But football raises the prominence of the school. People wouldn't be talking about the lacrosse championship during football season Mm -hmm. if our football team wasn't good. Same basketball to a lesser extent, but it still matters. And people bring that up during broadcast. Mm -hmm. Football brings visibility to everything because it's so much bigger than really even basketball. Like Football is significant to the overall health of the athletic department. And that's what Carla Williams realized. That's why they're doing all these new facilities. That's what Bronco Mendenhall has been preaching from day one. And, you know, you do have to even give credit to Little Page for bringing in a guy like Mendenhall because mm-hmm. he clearly wasn't on anyone's radar when, you know, we were doing our coaching search. Yeah. You know, it was purely a thing where a search firm said, hey, you know, I think this guy over at BYU could fit you guys pretty well. Are you OK with us reaching out to him? Sure. Yeah, why not? And look what happened. Just mm-hmm. four years. Bronco likes the trend. Uh, what unbroken growth or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but it's truly two wins to six wins to eight wins to now at least nine. Yeah. And it might end up being nine with Clemson and potentially Bama left on the schedule. It's okay. But we don't have to talk about that. Yeah. Yet. It's you, you want those opportunities. Yeah. You would much rather say, Hey, I want to beat tech. I want to play Clemson and I want to play Bama as opposed to, I want to lose to tech and Hey, I want to play, I don't know, like South Carolina in the Belk Bowl. Yeah. Like exactly. That's exactly. great. It's, it's wonderful. But you know, at this point we're reaching for, higher heights and it's cool to be to yeah to witness that and to be a part of it i think i think another thing that brings me back to the syracuse game is rushing the field and we were we rushed the field it was a very controlled rush from from uh from in the stands because we there was a bunch of boxes underneath where we were and it's really hard to get down anyway from the hill it wasn't from the hill it was great yeah but where we were we had to jump jump about eight feet down and you know, make sure everyone was safe. And, but the main part that I'm talking about is everyone was just kind of standing on the field. You know, they weren't, they weren't like talking trash to tech players. At least I didn't see any of that. Mm -hmm. They, no one was like flipping benches or trying to tear down the goalpost. Everyone was just kind of taking in the moment. A lot of phones capturing things, um, passing around the Commonwealth cup, you know, taking pictures with players. It wasn't so much of a, you know, a mad crazed thing, but it was a very controlled moment that everyone wanted to capture and experience. And I, I think I think that was similar, very similar to Syracuse, in that people just kind of stayed on the field on yeah, the court. No one wanted to leave. No one wanted to leave, and and they kind of kind of I think we kind of forced the players and Tony to come back out and cut down the nets, <laughs> even though that's not really something that we do for regular season championships. But you know. It was cool to see, you know, players slowly left the field, but the fans just kind of stayed. Even the tech fans were just kind of staying in the stands and watching. Yeah, well, our fans were staying in the stands yeah. watching. Like, we were, you know, like, walking around on the field. Like, I was in no hurry to leave. We were people, there for probably 20 minutes. Yeah, people were taking pictures mm-hmm. over the v Someone tweeted out that <laughs> they spread someone's ashes over the v saber yeah, after the game. Yeah, I saw that. I was like... That's awesome. That's crazy. What I don't know crazy, how the field turf feels about what that. What a crazy moment. I think that's illegal. That's it definitely illegal. It might. Yeah. It was funny. One guy hopped up. I don't know if you were saw it when the guy, one guy, no, not multiple people, mm-hmm. one guy hopped up on the goalpost mm-hmm. over the locker room and the cops just like were looking at him like, dude, like, come please, on. Please and he like out. hopped down and just ran off. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm so glad they didn't arrest that guy. Yeah. But No, I mean, um, and I, I think, yeah, it was just a great experience to, to feel it. You know, it was more of a feeling than anything. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. It was and really good. Dude, it's been such a long time coming. Like I was telling you, like for like it meant so obviously it meant so much for everyone, but like this has been like simmering for fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Like basketball is like yeah, like there was the huge disappointment the year before and not to really compare because the basketball national championship is a bigger moment than Virginia beating number twenty four for Virginia. I don't Tech. think there's any comparison, but, but it's like it yeah. was such like a rush of joy and like it had been such a long time coming where like basketball you knew it was gonna you thought it would happen eventually and it was mm-hmm. such a relief. This football relief wasn't the right word. It was like, oh my god, it was like pandemonium, like thank God. Mm-hmm. Like it was awesome, dude. Yeah. It was a totally different emotion, at least for me. Different emotion, but kind of a similar situation. Sim- a little similar, but not similar happiness. Si- yeah, but same but different. different ways. Yeah, same but different. Uh, we need an English major to break this down for us. I'm a history but... guy. I'm not. I don't do English. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but I think, I think uh, you want to break down the game at all. Just something, some things you noticed. Sure. I mean, like starting from the get go. So like 
I missed the first Bryce touchdown run, that first drive. And obviously we came out offensively with the plan to attack Tech using Bryce mm-hmm. Perkins' legs. And there's no better example of it than that third and 10 on the first drive where it's just a design QB draw up the middle all the way. Mm-hmm. A couple of plays later, Bryce runs it in. Next drive, Bryce has what? I think it was 67 yards. Mm-hmm. I think it was 67 yards. Excuse me, that touchdown run. So obviously Tech adjusted to it. And I think what was so critical in that first half was the fact that we kept Tech out of the end zone. And mm-hmm. you can even argue that the second field goal shouldn't have counted because the play before that was the Joey Blunt interception that might or might not have happened. It looked like he probably picked that off, yeah. but probably not enough to overturn it. But that play by Nick Grant uh, was awesome. To keep him out. I mean, that keep, was a linebacker was Mc, like McLeese, tackle. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or no, it was Turner. It was Turner, oh, it was Turner. on a sweep. Yeah, yeah. And he got outside of Mac. He got outside of Snowden. And here's the smallest guy on the field, Nick Grant, out of nowhere, just makes a linebacker tackle that hit. It was awesome. I love that. Kept him out of the end zone. That was huge. Keep Tech out of the end zone in the first half. And I think that even goes back to the mentality that the players had against Tech. And, you know, Tech has always been the most physical, the more physical team on the field. You know, they were always the kind of the big brother pushing us around, uh, got chippy. You know, Tech always seemed to have the upper hand on things. But... You know, we came out, we were hitting back, and Nick Grant popped Turner really good, uh, held him, uh, didn't get any forward progress on that run, and they were forced to kick a field goal. And, you know, going into halftime up 13-6, to six, it felt good, but also scary. Well, you knew Tech was going to come back, I which think, is why I was so nervous. Yeah. I'm sitting there, like, you know, just knowing something's going to happen, and I just don't know what it's going to be. I think Tech did a really good job of containing Bryce. I'm not sure how or what their scheme was. I don't know if they were spying on him or if they just stacked the box a little bit better. But Perkins really didn't seem to have like as big of an impact with his legs after his first two long runs. You know, he got, I mean, over 100 yards in the first quarter and rushing. And after that, he you know, he had 164 for the whole game. So Tech did a really good job of containing him. And Bryce needed to use his arm to beat Tech. And I think the UVA offense did a good job of adjusting after halftime to take advantage of that. Well, the crazy part, so after, I think it was maybe Bryce's long touchdown run, but there Mm -hmm. was a stretch from that lasted almost a quarter and a half into the third quarter with only four minutes left where Virginia didn't have a first down. Mm -hmm. So the offense went cold, absolutely, after the long Bryce run because Bud Foster adjusted. He... I could be totally off, but what I was picking up on during the game is essentially they started playing a lot more man coverage and mm-hmm. they were keeping more people closer to the box. But what happened in the second half is they aired it out. And it reminded me a lot of the Florida State offense in the second half mm-hmm. where all of a sudden this was just a new look offense where we were throwing the ball and we were slinging it downfield and it all started with the pass to Joe Reed, which yep. from our angle, I thought that was going to be overthrown. I was yep. like, there's no way he catches it. He just barely catches it. Catch. And that opened up the entire offense because... Virginia Tech scored 21 points in that third quarter. Mm -hmm. They were moving the ball, and, you know, our defense just didn't have, A, the personnel in the back end, but even at times, B, the discipline in the front seven. You know, Charles Snowden has got to have his gap control on that read option Mm -hmm. where Hinton Hooker ran it for a 50-yard touchdown, and he didn't. And the secondary, obviously, I think looking back, Tech wishes they threw the ball more Mm -hmm. because Hazleton, Turner, I mean, they were owning their matchups. But the offense got going on that play to Joe Reed, and that was huge. It sparked the entire second half for us. It really really felt that Tech was getting 10 yards on every single, you know, play. In that third quarter, they had a touchdown drive of five plays, touchdown drive of eight plays, touchdown drive of four plays, and... They really, you know, we had a tough time stopping them doing anything. It was really frustrating. And I, I, I guess I will admit I got a little despondent during that third quarter. <laughs> when we, you know, our offense, as you said, went cold. And it was that Joe Reed that sparked us, and we started to push push the boundaries a little bit more. It was Joe Reed, and then a few plays later to Billy Kemp. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. Like, after that play, I was like, all right, this is a game. Yeah. Like, I'm back in it. Because Tech at that point had scored, I think, two touchdowns in a row mm-hmm. to make it 20-13. to 13. Yeah, when touchdown, punt, 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 and then Tech scored their second touchdown, then we scored a touchdown, then they scored a touchdown, then we scored a touchdown, then we traded field goals, then interception, field goal, fumble, touchdown. And I want to talk game. about that interception, too, because mm-hmm. – 
Chris Moore didn't play this game. And what some people had noticed, I tweeted it out after rewatching parts of the Liberty game, is that we didn't have sub packages on defense. We didn't no. have a nickel defense. No. What it basically meant is that either Charles Snowden or Noah Taylor became safeties right. on these plays. We would just split them out wide. And Tech, to their credit, was utilizing that. Mm-hmm. They'd run read options to that side where, hey, your linebacker on that side is now 15 yards off the ball sideways. Yeah, there's a gap there. Same thing. They'd run just screen bubble plays out to the right or left, depending on what side they were on. It's just a numbers game, and Tech took advantage of it. It was really weird seeing 6-7 Noah Taylor or Charles Snowden in coverage against really small slot receivers. Yeah. <laughs> it was very strange. I don't think Hooker is used to throwing against a 6-7 guy, and I think that's how... Uh, Noah Taylor got his second interception of the game. Uh, a really great catch by him, too, and he just came down with it, and that really turned the tide for us, and we were able to score that field goal Yeah, and and to, I, to ice the game. I'm a big believer, too, especially at the quarterback position and just experience, and I think you saw it all mm-hmm. throughout the game Saturday. Our biggest plays generally were made by upperclassmen, mm-hmm. but um, especially... When it comes to Hendon Hooker, you know, Bryce Perkins, his first look at the Virginia Tech rivalry was last year. And as great as he played in that second half, he had the fumble. And that's ultimately mm-hmm. on the quarterback. You got to make sure that mesh goes right. And it didn't with Jordan Ellis in overtime. And that ended the game. Bryce Perkins seen this rivalry before. He clearly came to play. And Hendon Hooker, A, hadn't played in this rivalry before. But B, he hadn't really been in a close game before. Mm-hmm. You know, his the close game Virginia Tech had during their stretch where they won six out of seven was Notre Dame, which Quincy Patterson played. Hendon Hooker didn't play in that game. Yeah. And I think just seeing the way they performed at the end, I think that's the difference between a sophomore quarterback and a senior quarterback who had played there before. I think it mattered so much. And Hooker just looked rattled. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> we joke kind of about how Scott Stadium isn't the most intimidating environment, mm-hmm. especially if you saw the stands against Liberty, you'd clearly think that. Yeah. But he was in an environment where Virginia fans were clearly there. They outnumbered the Tech fans. There was no chance of let's go Hokies. There were, but they got overshadowed yeah, very, overshadowed. very quick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we brought the pressure. And, you know, credit to us. We didn't sit back in a zone and say, hey, like, we you guys can nickel and dime us down and maybe you can score with 10 seconds left like mm-hmm. no we had three straight sacks you know yeah. zane got there and mackam came unblocked and then it was just a stun inside and manny alonzo got there on the next play yeah i mean we brought the pressure and it was awesome i uh, yeah i i want to talk about the 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 field and the atmosphere a little bit and i think that what what would you say the percentage was uva to hokey fans i'd say probably I don't know. I might say 60-40. I was going to say 70-30. I might say 65-35. Okay. We'll be in the middle. Because there's a lot, but... They were all up in the upper They were half, all top upper or on the yeah. hill. On the hill, too. And I thought, you know, credit to Carla Williams, going back to Carla Williams, but great job for her to implement that that kind of um, the $100 donation policy. Absolutely. I thought it was, you know, it was great. It drove call. tech fans insane. Yeah, they did. hated that. You know, there was a loophole that people found, and it was patched up after <laughs> after a couple hours. But you could go into the once you got your tickets, and you could delete the one hundred dollar donation, but still buy your ticket. Um, <laughs> I didn't hear about that. Yeah, they. <laughs> it's funny. But so that was all over Twitter, and then it was patched several hours later. So, <laughs> good job for the athletics department. I do, like. Do you have a problem with that? Is that something that you know is kind of should we find that? scumbaggy or kind of cheating or what would you say is there a problem with with charging extra money for non-donors it's our stadium it's a rivalry tech mm-hmm. has taken the rivalry more seriously than us for 15 years i have no problems with it okay it's a little weird i don't need but i don't have a problem with it have you heard of something like that anywhere else I know other schools do it. I think it's more common in the SEC, which okay. I think is where Carla Williams got the idea from, from given Georgia. her Georgia yeah. uh, previously. But yeah, I mean, I don't think we're the first to ever do it, is my understanding. You think this is something that Tech does next year? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It's kind of interesting because I think Carla Williams and Whip Babcock are like generally on the same page. Like There was an article by uh, David Teal in the Daily Press about how they were both really upset it was a noon kickoff mm-hmm. and... You know, they work, they're going to work together to try to make sure that doesn't happen next year. If it does, they'll get it announced ahead of time instead of just two weeks before. So anyway, I think they work together and I think they generally like each other, mm-hmm. but you know, 
Maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't think Tech was too thrilled about it. I could see Fuente being a little bitter about that. Yeah. You know, to be fair, there are other ways to get it, like StubHub, yeah. scalping. Although those would get naturally raised just because at some point just the ticket the, has to come from... Right, from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, sorry. I, I didn't mean to cut us off, but I did, I did want to talk about the atmosphere because I think that UVA fans did a really good job of, you know, coming, coming out. Oh, and yeah. It, you know, despite the noon, the noon turnout and there's a bunch of students there... I mean, the student section was pretty much full, and I don't know how many of them were students. Like, we weren't students for sure, but there was a lot. I, kn- I knew some students who were there, yeah. and some definitely showed up, and I thought, you know, UVA fans did a great job of, you know, a lot of them were standing the whole game and, you know, looking a- looking across the field to the-, the big donors on the 50-yard line, standing the whole game. It was a really fun crowd, a fun atmosphere, too. It was also very early arriving mm-hmm. because when we were we were getting, got in, we parked at our parking spot in Charlottesville at like 11.45, and we were terrified coming in. Like on the radio, they're talking about how there was all this traffic, and mm-hmm. maybe at some point there was, but when we came into Charlottesville, we Not drove much. right to our parking spot, yeah. and we were like, whoa, like, does this mean no one's going to be yeah. here? And we got to the stadium, and it took us 15, 20 minutes to get in the stadium. Big, big lines to get in. Yeah, and yeah. it was... I think everyone just got there early. There wasn't this tailgating scene of like, mm-hmm. oh, we'll get there after the first quarter or anything yeah. like that. Like everyone was ready and they got to the stadium early and it was they, awesome. This is a total offside, you know, off the path, but we, they got to do something about the metal detectors. It takes forever to get through. They got to oh, figure yeah. out a better I, way to do I that. I mean, that's been the case for years. It just hasn't mattered as much right. because we normally, not everyone needs to get in right at right. the same time. Right, right, Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, that was an aside. Let, let's go back to talking about that final <laughs> defensive drive. I think that, you know, the and if it, we finally brought pressure and the pressure finally got to Hooker, because it feels like, you know, for the whole other, you know, the rest of the game, either we were bringing pressure and they were getting rid of the ball or we weren't bringing it and they were able to take the time and, you know, find an open guy. Yeah. And it, it we finally got pressure to hit and we hit home three times in a row and then we got a touchdown out of it. So it felt really good to see the defensive line and the linebackers finally hit home. And it reminded me a lot of the UNC game in that same mm-hmm. sense where yeah. UNC was moving the ball at will and we finally said, hey, like this bent and don't break thing, like at some point we're going to hit an impasse. And those last couple of drives against North Carolina when they were moving the ball, I mean, Sam Howe's a terrific quarterback. Yeah. And Hinden Hooker's going to be a really good quarterback too. And we just started bringing the pressure. And mm-hmm. against North Carolina, they didn't score at the goal line. They didn't score on their final possession. They didn't score the entire fourth quarter. Yeah. And then with uh, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech went from scoring 21 points in the third quarter to only three points in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter. And a lot of that, you can't just say it's the final drive because there are other drives. But yeah, we brought pressure. We weren't scared. And we said, hey, you know what, Hooker, If you're going to beat us, beat us. Mm-hmm. We're going to do everything we can. And Matt Gam came unblocked. We were running stunts on the inside. It was the chaos, the havoc. And you know, we didn't have the secondary, obviously, that we thought we were going to have at the beginning of the season. But the front seven, the pressure came, and it won us the game. Yeah. Because, I mean, how many times have we seen it before? I mean, it reminded me so much of the 2014 game mm-hmm. where Virginia takes the lead late. Yeah. And, you know, that year it, there was yeah. a Mike Moore roughing the passer penalty the first play of that drive. And then we all know how it ended. And we just can't stop Bucky Hodge. Yeah. And it could have been the case like that mm-hmm. you know hazelton and turner were awesome and yeah. they each had over 100 yards yeah. they're terrific receivers and we didn't let that happen no. we said you got to get past our front seven and the front seven won. and you know that's something that hasn't happened in the past you know they would get overshadowed they'd get run down by that tech offensive line but we were able to hang in there we were able to you know get a result and i you know still really happy this one's gonna be great for a long time oh, this is gonna yeah. be a good feeling yeah, I mean, this is easily my favorite. Oh, one other play. I was going to say easily my favorite football win in a long time. Mm-hmm. I got to say easily my favorite play in a long time. That has ceased to block, catch, and stiff arm. stiff arm. I mean, I love all the highlights that are coming out, all the pictures, like just cease bodying that guy mm-hmm. for like 20 yards oh he carried that guy yeah. at least 20 yards yeah and like just it was so clear like yeah you're stiff arming the tech player and mm-hmm. like tech play, like it was such a huge play and Bryce took a shot on that play, mm-hmm. but he hung in there, and Hasis was open, and he hit him, and then Hasis ran like 40 extra yards. Yeah. I love that play. That beautiful. play embodied so much of what this football team tries to be about, and right. it was awesome. Yeah. And with that, is there any last thing you want to say about the Tech game emotionally, strategically? No, I mean, I 
You think we said <laughs> it all? Well. Let's move on to next week, this Saturday, against Clemson in the ACC Championship at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. I'm excited. You know, it, it's going to feel good. It feels good to be there. I, I, I'm in a kind of happy-to-be-here situation. Yeah, I, I think that's the best mindset right now. Yeah. Clemson's really good. Clemson's really Clemson's good. Really, we, really we are good. a four-touchdown underdog to Clemson at this point. And that might be a little bit low. Clemson is really good. Yeah, and the thing with Clemson is, no, they've kind of played like the general ACC schedule. They played A and M at the beginning of the season. A and M's probably the best seven and five team in the country. Yeah, but uh, they just kill everybody. Like yeah. every game, with the exception of the Carolina yeah, game, for Carolina, they've won every game by like four or five touchdowns. Like there's mm-hmm. not a close game on that schedule. So Clemson's obviously really good i think that's the best situation to be in bronco said it very well after the game he says hey you know like we're not in a happy to be here mindset like Mm -hmm. we're not you know gonna take them you know we're not on vacation we're coming down with the intention of winning the game and as they should be that should absolutely be what they say and you know if you listen to Dabo quotes over the past couple days Dabo really respects bronco and the Mm -hmm. job they've done here but you know this is this is a hard hard matchup for virginia going against you know, arguably the best quarterback in the nation in terms of being a pro prospect. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence is incredible and still only a sophomore. Some real receivers in T. Higgins, great running back in Travis Etienne. Etienne. You know, this is going to be a hard matchup for Virginia. And, and not to mention a defense that is that is SEC caliber in terms of the bodies they've got and the physicality they bring. Uh, also their offensive line, which is just massive. So there's a lot of things that, you know, kind of go against Virginia in this matchup. I kind of want to start with the offense uh, when when uh, UVA is on offense. Uh, you know, we're just going to have to try our best. And clearly the run game is not what we're good at. And I don't think we're going to have any success with the run game against Clemson. Their defensive front, really solid, big bodies. They, they I think, had three drafted last year. All four were drafted last year. Something crazy like that, and I, I don't it doesn't matter. They're, they're they they still they restock. They're all back, and besides Bryce Perkins, Talapapa did not have a great game. He only had a couple yards, seventeen yards, I think. Yeah, he had the touchdown. That he had the said. touchdown, and Bryce had you know the hundred sixty four yards. But I don't know if we're going to be able to do that against Clemson. Now, our only chance then is against the secondary. I think that. Our wide receivers are really good. Jana, Joe Reed, uh, hopefully he can get healthy. And Hasis Dubois, really good. Even Billy Kemp was Billy, consistent. Billy Kemp was really good against Tech, too. So hopefully we can get some consistency in the offensive game. Now, when we're on defense, different story. Uh, I would say that we should stack the box and make Trevor Lawrence beat us with his arm. But our secondary has now gone from first to worst on the defense. <laughs> And well, just because of injuries, not because of anything else, but just, you know, in the sense that uh, Noah Taylor has to play uh, safety is really bad. In that sense, you know, if we drop people back, play more zone matchup, ETN's going to carve us up. He is one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, could could very well be the ACC player of the year just based on his stats. You know, one 1,386 yards for 16 touchdowns you know, crazy numbers, I think that it's going to be really hard to stop Clemson on offense. I'm still, like, admittedly, we're recording this Sunday night, like, Mm -hmm. haven't even processed the fact we're playing Clemson on Saturday. No, It still, like, feels like, oh, we just beat Tech kind of moment. And I know the coaching staff and players are all ready to play Clemson. This has been their goal all season. And, again, it's not to say the goal shouldn't be to beat Clemson. You know, that's why you play the game, to try to beat Clemson. You know, we beat North Carolina, and North Carolina had a heck of a game against them. It's not to say it's, it's just totally gonna, impossible. It's just going to be really hard. Oh, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be really hard. Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't want to say this Virginia Tech win was one of the best wins in our program history, mm-hmm. that win over Clemson would be if yeah. you were to get beat them Saturday. I would say so. And, you know, I, I'm thrilled to see what happens. And you know what? If they're by far the better team than us, then that's exactly kind of what we expected it to be mm-hmm. throughout the season. But the fact that we get to play there, the fact that, we lived up to expectations of winning the Coastal and that we were successful in doing that and beating Tech in the fashion in which we did. I'm still on cloud nine right now. Like mm-hmm. nine and three is a huge deal at Virginia. And 
this is just a tremendous opportunity and an opportunity that if we want to transition to this most likely is going to lead to the orange bowl yes most likely and there's a couple different scenarios in which uva can either make or not make the orange bowl and we're going to kind of break it down so that everyone knows what to expect and what to look out for based on that so to start off easiest way to get to the orange bowl which is you know the most likely thing for uva at this point would be to beat clemson in the acc championship game now that is a tall task for this uva team not to say it cannot happen just that it is very difficult at this point i think clemson is a much better team they've got better athletes and just across the board i think clemson now if we if we 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 did it with tech we went through every position group. I think if we did that, Clemson would probably have better players at every position group. Even quarterback. Even quarterback. Um, even though Bryce has more yards than Trevor Lawrence, if you care about yards. Yeah, yeah. Trevor Lawrence does have 30 touchdowns on the year, so you know, who, who can say? Anyway. <laughs> Bryce had 16, 16, I think? Yeah. yeah. 16 and 9. Trevor Lawrence is 30 and 8. I mean, anyway, anyway. 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 Uh, <laughs> um hold on where was that yeah beating clemson easiest way to get the, to the orange I, I think it's important we say that because there's a lot of misconceptions out there if acc and champion I, goes to the orange Bowl, i was one of those people i i really thought uh over the weekend i was corrected on twitter but if i i really thought that if uva beat clemson that the orange Bowl would choose clemson to go to the orange Bowl to represent the acc that is incorrect. The ACC champion has to go to the Orange Bowl. Unless they're playing, unless the, they're playing the playoffs, playoffs, which if Clemson wins, they will almost certainly be in the college playoffs unless something really freaky happens. Which is the second scenario. Yeah. So Clemson beats Virginia next week. Virginia still most likely is in the Orange Bowl. And the reason why is because the Orange Bowl has to pick the highest ranked ACC team outside of the one that's in the playoff and this is based on the on the national playoff committee yeah the college football playoff rankings college football playoff which rankings. will be released on tuesday and the ap and the coaches poll which were released today on sunday virginia was number 22 in both they generally merit mirror each other very similarly mm -hmm. i'd expect virginia to be ranked in the college football playoff and, this week and so if there are several acc teams ranked they would take the highest one and at this point there are no other ACC teams ranked except for Clemson and UVA. And if Clemson beats UVA in the Orange Bowl, then UVA would be the only other ACC team ranked. So they would have to go to the Orange Bowl. That is a bylaw in the Orange Bowl book of rules, I guess, and yeah. with their deal with the ACC. Now, here's where it gets confusing. Let's say that Clemson, let's pretend Clemson beats UVA somehow next week on Saturday at 730 on ABC. And UVA turns out to not be ranked the following week. That would mean that there are no ACC teams ranked besides Clemson, who would be in the playoffs. And this is kind of where rules get a little hazy because there are no rules for this. Because <laughs> this is very a very unlikely scenario that the Orange Bowl did not think would happen. They did not know the ACC would be so bad this year. <laughs> now, when that happens, the Orange Bowl would get to pick. And they would, you know, I would suspect that they would have some input from the ACC as well. But ultimately, the Orange Bowl would probably pick whoever they thought would be able to sell the most tickets to the game. And that's kind of where it gets a little bit hazy for UVA because is UVA known as a school that is going to travel really well? And that's kind of where things get a little strange. Still TBD with football. TBD honestly. with football, yeah. I, and with basketball, we traveled really well to Minneapolis. That was great. We don't know about football. Are are we going to be able to travel to Charlotte this weekend on short notice? Will we? Will fans take their holidays to go to Miami for you know a couple of days to see us in the Orange Bowl against whoever? It's not known at this point because we haven't been in a bowl game this big since the eighties. Yeah, and well, sorry, go on. Well, I was just gonna say the only the only thing that makes it dicey is exactly what you said because. Mm -hmm. By resume, Virginia has the best resume of right. the remaining ACC teams. You know, right. there's not another 9-3 and three team in the ACC. Wake lost to Syracuse over the weekend. 
That makes them eight and four. Virginia Tech obviously lost to us. That makes them eight and four. And not not to mention that we were all, we would also be in the ACC championship game. Yep. And the runner up in the ACC. And if you want to think about ticket sales, if you want to pull the Miami argument, Miami lost to Duke this weekend. Right. Miami six and six. So, and the reason why Rob's ringing up Miami is because there are some thoughts out there that the Orange Bowl would pick a team that is not named Virginia because they would sell more tickets that way. And I believe that very strongly because football is just run by money. That that's how it works. And I totally get that TV money regular money, any kind of money you can get. But um, the two teams that worry me the most would be Miami, uh, who is six and six, probably not a great candidate for a New Year's Six Bowl, or Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech is a team that people know will travel well. They know they will sell all their tickets. Uh, That would be very embarrassing if we did not make the Orange Bowl because we were not ranked and Virginia Tech got it instead. That would kill my vibe a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully it's as simple as us being ranked, Mm -hmm. regardless of the Clemson outcome, well, specifically if we lose to Clemson, which you said there's precedent where teams get beat Mm -hmm. pretty bad in the Mm -hmm. conference championship games and don't really drop in the rankings Mm -hmm. because so many of the other teams that we just Mm -hmm. aren't playing. There is a lot of precedent for that. And I was reading an article that Bennett Conlon wrote for the Daily Progress talking about this very thing. How does UVA make it to the orange bowl and he was talking about precedent for teams in the college football playoff uh, rankings to not drop after their championship game for the conference great examples northwestern last year northwestern had a great year and kind of came out of nowhere kind of i mean sort of like uva uh they were facing a team in ohio state and they were big underdogs like uva is going to be they lost by about 20 21 to ohio state but they were still ranked the next week they were ranked 21 and i think they only dropped one spot to 22 Mm -hmm. Uh, they dropped one spot yeah after losing by 21 so it's not likely that we would drop three spots out of the rankings just because of a loss to clemson especially if clemson is in the playoffs yeah but regardless there's a lot of scenarios still all of them make uva most likely to the orange bowl most likely yes most likely so and let's talk about some potential matchups in the Orange Bowl. This is kind of what I think what everyone is talking about, because I think a lot of people realize that we are most likely going to be in the Orange Bowl. Uh, not a lot of people know who our potential matchups are going to be. So, Rob, who are we going to play in the Orange Bowl? So the matchups are maybe even more complicated yeah. than <laughs> the ACC side of it, because correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the highest ranked SEC Big Ten or Notre Dame team that's not in the college football playoff. So long story short, because Michigan lost to Ohio State, it probably won't be Michigan, but most likely it's going to be an SEC team, depending on how the final playoff rankings come about. And a lot of that will be determined next week in the conference championship game in the SEC, whether with it being Georgia versus uh, LSU. Now the bowl committees will try to avoid repeat matchups. So we're most likely not going to see a UVA Notre Dame. We're most likely not going to see a UVA Georgia mm-hmm. because we open the season against Georgia next year. They'll probably try to move Georgia to an at-large slot if mm-hmm. they slot in there. But UVA versus Alabama, UVA versus Florida, those are both very real matchups that could happen depending on how the final rankings play the out. Other one, the other one is Penn State, too. Yeah, Penn State has a really a strong lock to to play us in the Orange Bowl as well. Just It all really depends on how the final rankings turn out and where what order bowls get to pick people but yeah we, we're going to play an sec or big 10 team most likely uh, a lot of people have penn state a lot of people have alabama i think there's a lot of different ways it could go here's a scenario for you what if what if ohio state loses in the championship to wisconsin and lsu loses to georgia in the playoff picture does that push Clemson out of the playoffs is there any scenario in which Clemson drops out of the playoffs because other teams jump in uh because I was I don't I I don't think about because I was thinking about this because if LSU loses to Georgia I think LSU is pretty much LSU will stay in I think LSU would stay in and Georgia would stay in but would but would anyone be able to jump Clemson for that three spot I don't think so I think if Clemson wins out they're in 
again, I'm not yeah. Kirk Herbstreet. I don't no, know I'm for not. sure, but <laughs> I think I think Clemson is in, assuming they win. Clemson, you just because I think can't. I actually think the most likely scenario would be that Clemson is somehow loses their way out of the college football playoff. Like if they play us close, or if we play them close and they lose, they would get the Orange Bowl and we would be forced to play <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah, maybe. which would be really ironic. I think. I don't think that's going to happen. Though. I don't think. So I think either. Clemson's in, assuming they win, because there's just not many undefeated teams left. No, there's not. Anyway, those are all of our takes on the Orange Bowl. Yeah, and I think we got most of them right. I think so. I yeah. think so. I know. I read my athletic article every Monday morning that has updated bowl scenarios. So I'll read that tomorrow morning, and hopefully we're right. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully we're right. I, I really, I think it'd be really cool to play Alabama or Penn State. I think that'd be a really sweet atmosphere for our guys. Not to mention a team like Alabama would be re- like a lot of their player, a lot of Alabama's players are probably going to sit yeah. for a bowl game, yeah, especially if against Virginia. Yep. So uh, look out for that. I think it'll be really, really interesting. Anything else to add about the Tech game, the Clemson game, or the Orange Bowl? I'm just I just love how engaged our fans are right now. Yeah. Because it's awesome. Like everyone wants to talk about UVA. At least for me over the past weekend, there's been way more people wearing their orange and blue gear mm-hmm. than there were than at least what you normally see. Mm-hmm. Twitter can be obnoxious at times, but there's a lot of people talking about UVA football still yeah. during basketball season. Mm-hmm. I love the engagement yeah, it's, that's it's coming. It's football around. season, Rob. We're yeah, not it's talking still football we're season. We're not talking basketball. We got this another week. month of this, baby. We're not talking basketball. Big Big game on on Wednesday against Purdue, but we're not talking about. Yeah, we'll figure that out. We'll figure it out. And uh, I'm excited. I'm back to football season. I'm (laughs) locked in, Rob. You can't drag me away. Hopefully, no one gets dragged away. No one's dragging me away. Uh, I'm looking for the game against Clemson is at 7:30 next Saturday on ABC, so everyone's gonna be able to watch it. uh, Get some friends, go to a bar, or just go to Charlotte. That's the best way to watch the game, I think. And uh, I think that's all from us today. Rob, you want to give some yells to anyone? Yeah, man. Let's let's do it. I think the easiest yell to give. I guess I have two. If you don't if you don't have one of these, then I'll give a third yell. Okay. Uh easiest one would be Juan Thornhill. I swear I've given Juan mm-hmm. Thornhill so many yells, but Juan Thornhill had a fourth and short stop today yeah. and a pick six yeah. for the Chiefs. That's awesome. That's the UVA DBs. Mm-hmm. Obviously you got Ant Harris out there too. Mm-hmm. Uh Bryce Hall will be there soon enough. Yeah. So I love it. But Juan Thornhill with a big play today. DBU. DBU. And uh, my shout-out's going to go to uh, the men's soccer team, making yep. it to the Elite yep. Eight, uh, really doing a good job in, over their past three games. Women's team was doing really well, but couldn't, you know, once their goalie got hurt, couldn't make it in, out of the first round. Second round. First round. I think it was first. I don't know. But men's they, soccer won 3-0. They, yeah. Men's soccer, men's soccer did really well. Uh, they're going to the Elite Eight. So shout-out to them. We'll that be, game will be Friday. We'll be following them as well. They're the number one ranked seed. So... Uh, make sure to check in on men's soccer as well. And I think that's all for us today. So thank you so much for listening. This is the Guys and Ties podcast. The streak is over. The streak is at one, Rob. Not negative 15. It's at plus one. <laughs> and we are here to stay. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat and Instagram at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and give us a follow on iTunes or Spotify if you like what you hear. Go check out Armchair Media. They've got all your favorite podcasts for all your favorite teams. And we will see you guys next week. Go Hoos, beat Clemson. Go Hoos.